Hello, this is Tim. Hey, Tim. It's Jason Blanc. How are you? Hey, thank you for calling me. Oh, no problem. It's, uh, it's been a busy time, so I'm sorry I couldn't do it that late last week. No, I, I appreciate that you're you're probably swamped, and uh, I know that even this time is valuable, so I do appreciate it. We'll just say there's a lot of interest in this issue, so um, I, I hope it's worthwhile to, uh, of your time to talk to me. Well, hopefully I can help and answer some of your questions. Okay, I, I see you're uh, pretty much the director over there. Yeah, so my official title is the Director of Virology, Immunology, and Molecular Microbiology. But for the purposes of this discussion, COVID testing is molecular microbiology testing. Okay. Okay. Um, I have a bunch of questions, but maybe maybe the uh, before we get into the nuts and bolts of this, you can just tell me um, how, it, how it works. How, how does someone get tested? Well, I mean, it's, it's, how does someone get tested can either be by contact, if they have traveled uh, they can, and have symptoms, they can call 811 and they will get uh, directed to an assessment site. Uh, if they are feeling unwell and uh, make it to the hospital, they'll get tested there as well. Uh, there's, uh, we do community-based uh, surveillance approach to see if the, there's virus out there that's not being captured by these routes. Uh, by uh, looking at anybody that would have like an influenza-like illness that would be in a long-term care facility, which would be the, the, uh, some of the, the individuals at the greatest risk, uh, people presenting to the eMERGE departments will automatically get it as well. Inpatients will get it as well. So there's a lot being done other than what the assessment sites that have been rolled out. So. Yeah. I have uh, Just uh, last night I was alerted to someone uh, up in North Shore that said uh, she... Uh, she went to the emergency room, and the, she claims the emergency room doctor said, um, uh, "You have COVID nineteen, but I can't. But you can't get tested because you haven't traveled." No, that's not true. I mean, anybody that would have a, a respiratory illness, well, I mean, I can't comment on individual situations sure. that may have occurred, but it's the wrong message to send. Anybody with a, an influenza-like illness that presents and uh, to an emergency room uh, and, and writes COVID-19 on their requisition and sends it into the lab will be tested. Okay. Uh, so this person... Either either this person really misunderstood what happened, or the ER doctor is getting it wrong. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of uh, on but the the messaging around who gets tested has evolved quickly and rapidly. So getting the right messages out there to every uh, physician, every uh, individual to get tested, it, it has been a challenge. So, but I mean, if you're showing up and say uh, you have symptoms and you really think you have COVID. Uh, that uh, my best advice to, to people that uh, for that would be just contact eight one one and you'll get directed to an assessment site and to be tested. Okay. Um, she says she was on the line for over an hour with eight one one and. Yeah, and there's uh, been a lot of uh, additional support that has been added in to to help eight one one. I guess uh, I, I realize there's challenges with everybody trying to call in, and uh, there can be some delays that occur with that. But uh, even with uh, I'll, I'll give an example. The 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 medical students uh, have uh, volunteered to help a with eight one one as well. So they're they're taking some of the phone calls now. So uh, there's additional nurses that have stepped up. There's all sorts of people helping in to try to alleviate that. The, yeah. Okay. Uh, how? Um, uh, so. So right now, it's anyone who is who is showing symptoms gets gets tested. Uh, right now, it's anybody that has traveled outside of Nova Scotia. Uh, is the, the the 
key uh, people uh, that we're focusing on, but anybody with symptoms that are in that have been hospitalized or is in a long-term care or ends up in a merge gets tested. Okay, so when you say anyone who traveled outside Nova Scotia, that includes people who, who are not showing symptoms? Uh, that's to tell me the truth. Uh, the testing of people with that don't have symptoms can be very misleading, and I wouldn't advocate for that. Uh, what I would do, so it, I'll give you the example. If, if someone has been exposed and are not showing symptoms, we may we may not be able to identify it from a lab perspective that they are a positive case. The viruses uh, they take time before we can actually detect them uh, from uh, their uh, from the time of clinical presentation. So really, it's uh, if we release a negative result, they're going to think uh, even if they later on develop COVID, they're going to see think they're they're negative for COVID. So that would be a false negative result. So that's the, the reason that we can't just go out and test everybody right now for COVID. Okay, that that's uh, helpful because. Um, uh, there's a narrative out there in the world, and um, you know these are not microbiologists, <laughs> but it's it's out in newspapers, it's out in you know, and, and there's a wide understanding that testing is the solution to um, uh, isolating this. And, and, and it is absolutely not. A testing is not going to stop this. Uh, the, the really the the key point is the self isolation and the social distancing. That is really what is going to stop the spread of this virus. You can test all you want. It will not stop the spread if people are out there circulating and mingling. So it, it's really the social distancing and the, the self-isolation that's key here. Okay. Uh, f uh, famously, I guess, uh, there's everyone uh, uses the example of this Italian town of 3,000 people. I'm yeah. Sure you know about it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. What, what do you say to that? Uh, I mean, it, it's heartbreaking to see what, uh, I mean, this virus has come quick, and it, it hits hard, and it, it, there's, it, it, it's just devastating. If you're not ready for it, if you're not preparing, uh, it, there's definitely serious consequences. So I, my heart goes out to all, all the countries that have been hit hard, and the, the death rate associated with this is, yeah, it, it's definitely significant. It's taken a toll on a number of countries. Yeah, I feel for them. I guess this one, this one small town, I guess 3,000 people, um, uh, they, the narrative is that they somehow are testing everyone, like, I don't know if it's once a week or whatever, but as a result of that, they've been able to then eliminate COVID from any new cases of COVID from there. Yeah, I mean, from if you're in a, 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 a setting where you have a very small population, uh, it goes back to the, 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 the testing of people that don't have symptoms yet. If they are going to be negative, 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 if you keep testing them every day until they just start to spill it, it's showing symptoms, and then they'll become positive if they were exposed. So from that perspective, you would have to test everybody every day, and that, that from a, a Nova Scotia perspective, that's not possible. Yeah, okay, I want to get into that, but, but first let's talk about the test itself. So... Um, uh, someone sh shows up at the ER uh, with symptoms. Uh, how does the test work? So the the test, uh, what they would do is there's there's two different swabs out there that are, are, are that people can use. One of them is called the nasopharyngeal swabs. They basically go through the nose and it goes all go into the nose to the back of your throat, and then they just give the, the swab a little twist, pull it out, and put it into a, a stabilizing liquid. So that specimen now gets transported to the lab, and that liquid gets put onto uh, a big instrument that will uh, isolate the genetic material of the virus, and then we put it onto a second instrument that amplifies that genetic material so we're able to see it. 
Okay, and um, so that, that answered one of my questions because um, I understand there's two different kind of tests out there. One looks for genetic material and one, one looks for the antibodies, but this, this, it, this is the better of, of those two types. Is that there's it? actually the, well, I'll explain both of them. So there's two different swabs out there. One of them is the one that I just talked about that is it just goes into your nose and knows all the way to the back of your throat. The other alternative is that it, it, it goes not as deep into your nose, but they also put it into your throat. So it's kind of a nose-throat combo versus a deep nasopharynx specimen. So it's uh, uh, two different swabs out there, you, and they go through the same process that I just mentioned into the labs and for testing. The, the, the blood test that you're talking to, the antigen testing, uh, that would be something that... Uh, uh, they would take a specimen and they, they could do, uh, there's different variations of it. Uh, but from experience with other viruses, these tests uh, that use antigen testing aren't as sensitive as the, what we're using in the lab now, which is molecular-based testing, so the, uh, the, gen the genetic approach. Okay. Um, so you get the swab to the lab. What happens there? Uh, so it was like I said, it, it gets, uh, first of all, uh, I mean, there, there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes. There's a great video out there that uh, that uh, showcases the lab that's so circulating on social media that NHHA put out. It's a it's a great way of seeing what happens, uh, the intricacies of what happens a lot in the lab, and the amount of staff that's involved behind the scenes. But just to kind of walk through it, uh, the specimen arrives at, at the hospital. Well, it shows up with uh, the paperwork that's associated with it that is linked with the, all the patient information gets put into our, our hospital uh, computer system. And that computer system also records the physicians uh, that collected the swab, the, uh, it will, and anybody that would require the information in the end to be transmitted to them gets recorded in that system. Uh, so what happens uh, with the swab after all the information is plugged into the computer is that uh, it goes up to uh, my lab here, or the, the microbiology lab, where they uh, take out that genetic material of the virus on the, the first instrument, and then they take that genetic material and put it into another reaction that amplifies the, the virus genetic material, uh, and we can visualize that using a special detector. So after that, it's, uh, if the, the virus is there, we can see it, and we will uh, call it positive to, uh, or negative if there is no signal. And that gets reported to the physician that collected the swab. Uh, and if it's a positive, it also goes to uh, infection control in a hospital or to public health uh, for them to know those answers right away so that they can act and start the contact tracing of who that person has been exposed, uh, who, who that person has been in contact with. Okay, Brendan had told me that there's a video coming out, but he didn't. He never alerted me to it, so uh, I'll... It's circulating uh, on social media. Yeah, yeah okay. fine these days. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, so maybe the video explains it, but just how labor-intensive is this process? Uh, to tell you the truth, it, 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 it's about a half-a-day process from when the specimen arrives to in our hands. So uh, with the, the new technologies that we, we have in the lab, uh, these uh, we used to use methods that would take us a day or a day and a half, uh, but uh, now it's like about 10 years ago. The technologies that we have now, we can do the testing in about, uh, you know, about a half a day uh, to get from specimen receipt to results being phoned. So I, I think that's a very good timeline for, for people to act uh, on if it's a positive and do all the contact tracing. But again, it, it, it falls back on the person that is being collected in the first place to be self-isolated 
and uh, everybody practicing social distancing. Okay, and, and this this um, I, I talked around this with Brendan quite a bit, um, and I hope you can understand what my question is. Um, uh, there's there's obviously a limitation. Uh, there's a limitation to everything. Um, you know, I can't spend a, a, a dollar five thousand times a day. Um, uh, there's a limitation to how much testing can be done, I, and I appreciate that. But I'm, I'm wondering, what is the limiting factor? Is it staff time? Is it the computer system? Is it? Uh, it really depends on the what stage you're in. So the, uh, this. The testing and all of the process has evolved as the, the virus spread has evolved all through uh, all throughout the, the, the globe. It's really our uh, we monitor who is being testing, and the testing really dictates how many specimens come in, and then that uh, how many specimens come in dictate the the workflow that's associated with it. But you're right; there are some uh, the steps that tend to be the the more challenging ones. One of them is the the entering everything into the computer system up front is a challenge because that's a, a step that takes a little bit longer to get all the information right to make sure that everything is, you don't want to send the wrong report to the wrong person or, or the reports not get to the right people. So you make sure that that process is right. But that's a, that is a step that uh, with the influx of specimens that we had to supplement our staff and uh, bring in more staff to, to deal with uh, that aspect. The other side of things is the testing itself. Uh, from the molecular lab, uh, we normally process about 150 specimens a week. We're doing double that in a day right now. Oh. So you could, we had to bring in more staff. Uh, we've actually looked at uh, people doing molecular testing, not just in microbiology, but in other areas of the hospital. Uh, we're located in a building that does all sorts of molecular testing for cancer markers, for example. So there's cross-training that occurs with other staff, healthcare uh, staff that have molecular skills. So we've been utilizing everything that we can. And uh, the instrumentation itself, uh, to tell you the truth, money hasn't been an issue for us. Uh, there's been a, st a steady stream of support from NSHA, from the province, from the, the Public Health Agency of Canada, supporting our needs for uh, all the reagents, all the consumables, all the instrumentation that is required to do this testing. So really, the uh, the biggest challenge that has been in the past was the, the, the swab shortage. So I'm sure you've heard about uh, labs not being able to provide uh, all the testing that is being demanded based on swab shortage, and that's a glo it was a global issue. And do you have enough now? Uh, the, it, it's, it's slowly being meet, uh, mitigated by other companies stepping up and making uh, the, the swaps that we need. But we had an approach in Nova Scotia where the, when I talk about the two different swabs, the, 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 the nasopharyngeal swab versus the nose-throat swab, the nose-throat swab actually is a swab that we had in Nova Scotia that we were doing chlamydia and gonorrhea testing on. So all we did is make sure that it was appropriate for the use for COVID testing and implemented that. And that freed up a lot more swabs because we, on a yearly basis, we do about 45,000 chlamydia and gonorrhea swabs. Huh. So that gave us access to a lot more swabs than just the, the nasopharyngeal swabs. So it, uh, we, kind of, we benefited from that in Nova Scotia. Yeah, are people not getting tested for chlamydia and gonorrhea? Uh, no, that's not an issue. I mean, the, there's a steady stream of people that are still getting tested for chlamydia and gonorrhea. There's no issues. <laughs> okay. um, they should be social distancing. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh, um, so uh, just a few things. Uh, the... Um, 
I understand the tests can be painful. The tests can be painful? Uh, I mean, uh, there is some level of discomfort with a nasopharyngeal swab. They do go uh, into the ear nose. Uh, it, it does go all the way to the back of your throat, and then they twist it. So it, your eyes will water on it a little bit, but it, it's not a, a, a super painful procedure. It's not a, a very invasive procedure. Okay. And now, um, it, 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 where are people able to get swabbed at? All emergency rooms, and, and I mean, what's the process for for? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't uh, get everybody to go into the emergency rooms because that's really where the the more uh, severely ill people should go. Uh, it's really if uh, you want to get swabbed and you think you have COVID, most people like 80 percent of individuals that don't have like a, an underlying medical condition or are not at, at, uh, at, in uh, elderly or older age uh, are going to get through this. Uh, with uh, just mild symptoms, they, they they will get over this. So from that perspective, people should be getting uh, referred to the 811, get assessed uh, whether they need a swab or not, and uh, the, and that's a really a path to get swabbed. Uh, all the 811 will direct you to an assessment site and then the nearest assessment site to get tested. Okay, and, and that's a different stream. That's... Um uh, not people who are hospitalized, so that's a different stream of... of exactly. So that's a, anybody in the community that has traveled outside of Nova Scotia that has a symptom can go get to 811 and get tested. Okay, and I understand that those testing centers, like there's only one in Atrium, is that right? Uh, no, the, and uh, uh, there's actually multiple that, that have uh, crept uh, To tell you the truth, I don't have a running list of where they're all located. I've been really uh, just, you know, sure. behind the scenes in the lab uh, since January. I, I, I just, you know, trying to make sure the testing gets done. But my uh, uh, my co-director of the, uh, and service chief of microbiology and a bunch of other people uh, have really uh, stepped up and uh, brought in a lot of uh, assessment sites across Nova Scotia. And when they first rolled out, it, they did this process in three days. It's a, it, it was really an amazing task. And obviously, you don't want people just showing up at the assessment sites. Exactly. I mean, and so and, and just uh, and one of the reasons for that is that you don't want everybody wanting to get tested showing up to emergency rooms because you want to. Uh, Dedicate those to the people that are really critically ill and really need urgent uh, medical attention. Okay. Now, uh, Dr. Strang uh, said that um, um, you can now uh, test positive. Can you can can you walk me through what why this had to be sent to Winnipeg and now it doesn't? What, what there must be some sort of criteria or or uh, so for any any laboratory test, we go through a stage of what's called validation. So it's kind of like buying a car. You want to test drive it first. You want to make sure that it performs well. So from the, and that's both from the last side of things. It's both from the negative and positive side. So what we did is at first we were sending all our specimens to the national lab, but running them in Halifax as well. So uh, we, once we became comfort, comfortable with the method, we started releasing negatives first. We got really comfortable with that because there was a lot more negative specimens flowing through. At first, we didn't have access to positive specimens, but the National Lab helped us out and started giving us specimens once they started seeing cases in British Columbia and Ontario. They were sharing those so that we could start developing our method and validating our method. So after a while, you become comfortable. and you mean uh, they, you, they were sending you positive swabs? Yeah, they were sending us positive swabs as kind of a, if there's, there are, uh, it's genetic material from those uh, so that we can test our methods. Huh. 
So yeah, they, uh, there's been support from the the, the the public health agency of Canada, the National Microbiology Lab, since the beginning. So they they were sending these panels out to each provincial public health lab to help uh, all these labs develop their assays. And then when the provincial public health labs have developed assays, they can help other labs develop their assays. So it's kind of a, a cascade that occurs. But getting back to your the, the, the presumptive positives versus positives. So at first, when we were just sending it in parallel with the National Microbiology Lab, uh, we were releasing the results as presumptive positives, and public health was acting on those results. They weren't waiting for the, the National Microbiology Lab to call that. Sure. Uh, it, 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 while it's not an official case, they were making sure that the people were in self-isolation, and we're following all the rules around that for. So it's uh, it's not like they weren't acting on it. So it, it, to me, uh, it, it, it's a nice goal to say that we're independent from the National Microbiology Lab and the turnaround time is uh, shorter for calling it a positive, but they were acting on those pr presumptive positives from the get-go. Right, understood. Um, now, uh, is there a, a, a concern that people that go in for testing um, you know, they may. Most of them are negative. Is there a concern that there may be contagion at, at the testing sites? Uh, I mean, that is a, that is a very well controlled environment where people come in and the, the, they are in the dedicated areas. The the staff know how to control the flow of patients that go or, or uh, individuals that go through there. Uh, obviously, in a community setting, you can't control everything. Uh, so it, there's always that the underlying risk of trying to uh, getting exposed in the community, even getting to uh, an assessment center. But the, it, but the assessment centers are doing everything they can to limit the spread. Okay, and um, you've already addressed the issue of um, uh, you don't want to test uh, when people aren't are asymptomatic because it may give them a false sense of security. Is, is that exactly? What and then they, they have a, a test in their hand. Oh, I've been tested negative for COVID, and then they, they may develop symptoms two or three days later, and they oh uh, they'll associate that as oh this is not COVID. I've been tested negative. Okay, there's uh, and I, we've already talked about this a bit, but I just want to say it directly. There there's this view out there that oh they're only testing for people who come in from out of the province. Uh, uh, they screen out any potential uh, uh, community spread. Um, so how do we know it's not not out there in the community? Well, we, we don't because we're not testing everybody. So there's uh, some people that even with symptoms may not show up or may not want to get tested. Or So uh, I think it's, a, it's fair to say that uh, you should assume that there is community spread and just treat it as such. So that, again, self-isolation, social distancing, washing your hands, all the, the key messages from public health are very important. Just yeah, assume it's in the community. Yeah, do, do, is there any thought to doing like some statistical uh, you know, sampling, like just out there in the world. That's, that's uh, there are actually plans to do like surveillance and from the, a, a more broad population. So part of that is what we're currently doing with uh, people that show up with influenza in emergency rooms that may not get admitted to hospitals. So we'll be testing those as well. So those could be milder cases, and they don't need uh, to be admitted for respiratory support, for example. But they would be uh, sent back home, told to, to self-isolate uh, based on that. But those uh, individuals who get tested, they may not be recognized that they're being tested for COVID, but they are. I see. And um, after someone tests 
positive. Do you, uh, and they, they go home self-isolate. Um, thankfully, there hasn't been a large number of people hospitalized. Uh, but uh, uh, at some point, they're symptom-free. Do you test again? Yeah, so, and, and the frequency of testing afterwards uh, uh, is uh, uh, an ongoing discussion with public health. But yes, uh, they do get uh, tested to see if they are still positive. And after a while, they, we, uh, uh, that test will become negative. So it's a, after a certain period of time. I don't have the, the numbers in front of me of how, of how many days that they wait before they test again, but public health is uh, very on top of that. Yeah, I've, I've seen elsewhere... Um that there's supposed to be two negative tests before exactly, and that's a it's a it's a common approach for uh, for all public health. So that's that's your approach as well. Yeah. Okay. Is there anything I'm missing here? Uh, no. I think you've covered the really uh, a, a wide spectrum of of questions that we get from all sorts of uh, different individuals. So no, uh, I think you you've really nailed it. Okay. I have one last question for you. Uh, how is this affecting your life? <laughs> I work a lot. Uh, I, my wife is at home with the kids. I have an eight-year-old daughter and a one-year-old. Uh, he's actually turning one next week. Oh, uh, I, I feel like uh, I'm neglecting uh, them a little bit, but they understand. They, they understand the situation. Uh, uh, it, it is a challenge, but uh, the, there's, the greater good is out there as well. So it, it, hopefully it's, it's short-lived and uh, the social distancing uh, works and uh, we can uh, limit the spread and it doesn't uh, spread for a long period of time. So it's a... Uh, yeah, it, it has been a challenge. I don't, I, I don't think you're an epidemiologist, but um, uh, are, are you, um, are you frightened? Am I frightened? Uh, I'm not frightened. Uh, the because uh, I'm not in the, a population that I see myself as being at risk for severe illness. I'm frightened of the impact it's going to have on those people. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, I guess uh, as I read Dr. Strang and, and McNeil to some extent, is the worry here is that the health system is going to get overwhelmed. Yeah, and the, the, I can tell you that, that every day people are working long hours, I mean 12, 14 hours a day to plan for the worst case scenarios. So we're, we're doing our best to, to try to, to do uh, to deal with the issue. Obviously, it's something that's coming fast, uh, but uh, in all areas of healthcare, they're all thinking this. So it, it, we are planning. We're 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 going to do our best. It, it is a fight, uh, and we're all working hard. And uh, I, I know that there's a lot of people that are, are spending the same amount of hours as I am, and they all have families at home as well. Do we do we reach a point? Uh, could we reach a point? I guess where. Um, we fail in, in control, and there's so much out there that we just give up on testing. Well, to tell you the truth, uh, hopefully not. I mean, uh, we prepare for the worst, and we deal with what's in front of us. Uh, it, it's. Uh, I, I think we have learned from other countries' experiences. We we are constantly trying to keep up with the literature that's out there, with our colleagues of. Uh, uh, what information is available to help us better prepare? Uh, we're fortunate that we weren't one of the first country hit. We do ha we did have time to prepare for this, so it, it, uh, I see that as a huge benefit. So we won't reach a point where we just say we're, we're assuming everyone gets it, so we don't need to test anymore. Well, I mean, we're, the, we should assume that uh, it's going to spread anyway, uh, from because it, we're not going to be able to contain this. Uh, you can test, test, test all you want. That uh, we were going to do things to slow down the spread, but we're not going to be able to stop the spread. Okay. Let's leave it there. Hey, I, you just spent a half an hour with me. I know you're busy, so I, I appreciate it. Oh, no problem. No, it's a, it, it was a, 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 I really enjoyed the discussion. Great.
great. Take care of yourself. I hope you do well. Yeah, stay safe, Tim. Okay, bye-bye. Take care.